0: The following audio is from Morningstar Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio. For more information about Morningstar, visit MorningstarDayton.org. All right. Well, good morning. If you've got your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 4. And if you don't, don't worry about it. We'll have, we'll have some passage up on the screen this morning. I'm excited about today. Today, we're kind of wrapping up really the last several weeks. We, we did a series called Gather, Grow, and Go, and then we did a series, uh, we started a series last week called Sphere, and really the two are connected. And if you were here last week, we talked about how God has given us this circle of influence in all of our lives and how he wants us to interact with those that come into our circle, with those that come into our sphere of influence, and the weeks before that, we kind of really laid out. Who we are. We, like, we gather together, we grow in Christ, and we, we're commanded to go. And today, I want to show you really uh, kind of practically what does that look like? Like, if you took all these last several weeks together and, okay, well, what do I do with that, John? Like, what, what do you expect me to put in my pocket and walk out of this doorway? Like, what is it? Is there something tangible to hold on to? And right now, I want you to see something. I, I have a, a graphic here I want to kind of show you and walk you through. Um, this thing, if you look, there's this inverted triangle, all right, Um, think of it as a funnel. The top layer is the biggest layer, is the biggest uh, group, and it's called the gathering, is we engage with Christ. This is what we're doing right now. We're engaging one another with Christ. When we have our Easter egg hunt, we're going to be engaging our community with Christ. This is our gather. The next level you look, it says grow. It's where we experience Christ. So we move beyond just having a relationship with Christ and we move into this idea of now we're experiencing Christ. We're being discipled. And we do that here at Morningstar in our small groups. We call them grow groups. The last layer is called go. Where we express Christ. This is where we figure out what our calling is. This is where we go from being a consumer of God's grace and a funnel of God's grace. Does that make sense? And if you notice, the idea is that we come into that top layer and we, we, we come to know Christ and we should be working our way down that funnel. That we exist at a church. We exist as a place for people to find and follow Jesus. We're a safe place for people to find and follow Jesus. Well, people find Jesus in that top layer, the gather. That's where people find Jesus. Because they are engaged with Christ. They are engaged with the gospel of Jesus Christ and they come to know Christ there. The following Jesus happens in the next two levels where we're no longer just content to be just a a believer. Now we're a follower. Now we're actually living it out. Our goal is to move down this funnel but the sad thing is the reality where most of us live when we come to know Christ and we give our life to Jesus and we used to call that being saved right. You, You repented of your sins. You asked him to save you and most of us, though, after that moment, we kind of camp out between gather and grow. We might fluctuate a little bit deeper into the grow level, but for the most part, we kind of pitch our tents right there at the bottom of gathering. And we very few believers statistically ever move deeper into the relationship with Christ to the point they actually start expressing Christ. And not that this is, I don't want to like seem like, okay, well, Christianity is this layer thing where you get more enlightened as you go. That's not, this isn't the Masons or some other organization. It's not like that. This is all just an illustration. I want you to see visually what we're talking about. That why, the reason why we're not okay with people coming to know Christ and just sitting there in that layer, just sitting up there in the top. And so I want you to understand, where are you? Look at it for just, Where do you fall? Maybe you're here this morning and maybe, man, Jesus has been kind of getting a hold of your heart because maybe you've never given your life to him. Maybe you've never turned over your life and asked him to to save you and to be your savior. So you're still right there in that gather area. I'm excited you're here. Maybe you have, maybe you've given your life to Christ. You know you're a believer of Jesus, but you've never gone deeper and started growing in him. Or maybe for a lot of us, we... Man, we know we're a believer, we know we have a relationship with Jesus, and we're starting to grow, we're starting to go deeper in God's word, but we've never gone down to the part where we're starting to share our faith. We've never got to the point where we start looking at our life as a way for God to funnel his grace through us, and that's really the key that makes what makes a church a church. As God pours His grace and mercy into our life, that we are supposed to go and then pour out our lives into the lives of other people to get them into this funnel, to get them in that top layer. Because if we're not constantly trying to reproduce ourselves and what Jesus did for us, then we're not really a church. We're just a club that meets on Sundays. And I want you to see this in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18. Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting their net into the sea, for they were fishermen. In verse 19, Jesus looks at them, and he says just two words. He says, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. And and if you've been at church at all, you've probably heard this story before. Jesus walks down the shore of Galilee and he's like, hey, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. You've probably heard that before. And if you haven't, that's awesome. Maybe it's exciting for you. This is the first time you ever heard this. But he says, I'm going to make you fish for people. And these guys, it's Simon and Andrew and Peter and uh, Simon, Andrew and James and John. They've heard of Jesus before. In fact, they just got finished hanging out with him. They were there when he got baptized not too long before this. But this day was different. This day when Jesus walks by the sea, he sees these four guys who have kind of hung out with him for a little bit. And he changes things for them. He says, look, this day he calls them out. He gave them a new mission. He gave them a new calling. And he puts this challenge out to them. I want you to follow me. And now I want you to fish for people. That their whole lives now would revolve around getting people in that funnel we just looked at. That their whole lives now would be involved with engaging people with Christ. And the funny thing about fishing, I don't know if you like to fish or not. Um, if you don't, I'll pray for you. But um, <laughs> when you go fishing, you use different lures at different times, right? You go different locations depending on what part of the day it is or season it is. You go with different people depending on who loses all your lures and baits, right? Um, you use different techniques and different methods to go fish, but the goal's always the same, right? To get the fish in the boat or if you're fishing from the shore to land it. The goal is the same, even though the techniques might be different. And I wanna look at this though, because we we're talking about fishing for people, the same is really true. The sad thing is though is this, is Barna Research had this research they put out um, a couple of years ago and they, uh, they polled a lot of people and they said, we wanna know how many of you guys would identify as a born again believer in Jesus Christ. They separated out by who believes what. And they said, okay, we want to know how many of you guys would say you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. And they got that number. And they asked those people a very specific question. They said, how many of you believe that it's your responsibility to share your faith? And about 73% of them came back and said, we believe that it's our responsibility to share our faith. Then they asked another question. How many of you in the last year have shared your faith with just one person? And it was half. Half of the people who identify as born-again believers said that in the last year, they've actually shared their faith. You know what really struck me about this research is it showed that the millennials, you know, the young people we like to put down and make fun of a lot, the millennials share their faith more than any other generation today. Millennials. The younger crowd, they, in fact, 65% of millennials who identify as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ share their faith with at least one person last year. There's another generation they call the busters, which is actually my generation because we busted out with all the technology and all that stuff, and we're in our 30s and our 40s. Only 48% of my age group shared their faith. The boomers, those that are born between 1946 and 1964, only 49% of them shared their faith last year with one person. The elder crowd, those that are 68 years of age and older, only 50% of them shared their faith last year. But this younger generation, 65% of them shared their faith with at least one person last year. But that's strange because 73% of the people said they believe it's their responsibility to share their faith. So what would it look like if everybody did? Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. But the truth is, most of us, you and I, we don't even have a line in the water. Jesus said, I'm going to change you. I'm going to, I'm going to flip the script on you. I'm going to call you to do something greater. I'm going to, in fact, I'm going to call you to not just fish for a fish. I'm going to call you. You're going to be a fisher of people. But most of us never even put a line out in the water. Many people never share their faith because they just don't know how. They don't know how to connect who God created them to be with their own style of maybe sharing their faith. And we bought into this lie that only certain people are gifted enough to share their faith. We don't think we have what it takes to engage the people in our circle. We think, well, I don't want to change who I am. <laughs> like if I'm going to share my faith, does that mean I have to bust out the suit and tie and, and carry my Bible with me everywhere I go and Bible thump people into submission? Like, is that what that looks like? Because if that's it, I don't want to do it. And we have that mentality though, don't we? Like, does that mean I got to be the guy with the bullhorn walking up and down the street yelling at people? Or I got to wear the sign that says turn or burn and, you know, do I have to be that guy? Because <laughs> I don't want to do that. Or we think, well, I can't be the person who goes door to door and knocks on door like, and, and ask the person, do you know where you go if you spend eternity if you died today, right? Like, I can't do that. And we think that, look, there's some circles back in the day that believe that was the only way to do, it. And if you weren't doing it that way, you weren't right with God. But the majority of people in this crowd this morning, that scares you to death to go knock on a stranger's door and, not, and, 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 and talk to somebody you don't know, you've never met before and talk to them about heaven and hell and eternity. It's like we freeze up. And so you know what? Most people don't do it. And we think that's the only way to do it. And so we don't do it because we've been just so hammered with this idea. That that's the only way to do that. We can't seem to sync up who we are with sharing our faith. We think there's only one way to do it and it scares us today. But today, look, I want to challenge us today, but I want to bring us hope. And what I want to do is I want everybody today to understand just one thing when you leave the day that God created you to reach people that only you can reach. That you were specifically designed by God and given a very specific personality, a very specific nature about you. And then when you were saved at the moment of salvation, God gave you a very specific gifting to impact the people in your own unique way. What doesn't change is the message. You can't can't change the story, okay? It's uh, it's still about Jesus, him crucified, buried, risen again, and he's the only way to heaven. Like, that doesn't change. But there's more than one style. You don't have to change your personality to reach people. In fact, you're more effective and I'm more effective when we use who God created us to be to reach the people that He put in our circle. And I want to make this very practical today. So, this is a different kind of message. Maybe you've, you've heard me before. Maybe you've watched or listened to one of our podcasts or watched one. This is different. This is a different kind of message. This is what we would call an equipping message. One of the roles of a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And I can stand up here all day long and say, you need to share your faith and you need to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. But if I don't give you the tools or the resources of how do I do that, then I failed. I'm not doing what I need to do. So this might be a different message for some of you and that's okay. But what I wanna do is I wanna wanna walk through some styles. I want to walk through some people in the New Testament and maybe you can identify your style. Maybe you can identify your personality and maybe start fishing for men the way God created you to do it this week. So the challenge is this, is to engage people with Christ, not by changing who you are, but using the person God created you to be to reach those people in your circle. Challenging all of us today, this week, put out a line. No more excuses, no more. Well, I can't talk to people, I can't. You're gonna see through some of these styles that, hey, that's, that's me. Some of them you're gonna be like, there ain't no way I'm doing that. And you know that's not you, okay? So you're like, nope, not doing that. So I want you guys to see this. So the first one is this. The first share style is what we call the direct approach. The direct approach, all right? And in, in Acts chapter 2, Peter's preaching a sermon. I wanna quote just a couple of lines from his sermon, because I want you to see what the direct approach looks like. Here's what he's, part of his sermon says. He says then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Though he, talking about Jesus, was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. But God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for Jesus to be held by death. And when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, then what do we do? Like, what do we do with that information? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty in your face, right? That's pretty direct. Peter was very direct. He was like, you always knew where you stood with him. Some of you, I've met some of you, this is you, okay? Not in a bad way, all right? But this is you. It's like, you're one of those people, if somebody comes and asks you your opinion... You're gonna say, okay, do you want me to be honest with you or do you want me to make you feel good? Because I can't do both right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, because you're all about, I'm gonna tell it like it is, I'm, I'm gonna speak to you. And here's, here's the truth there's some people who thrive on this. They're tired of being lied to and they just want somebody to be honest with them. And this is your gifting, this is your style. You, you don't shy away from the hard conversations. You don't back away when it might get a little difficult or awkward. You're like, hey, this is where I stand. This is what God's word says. And that's awesome. This is is Peter. I'm going to tell you like it is. No holds barred. I'm straight to the point. But here's what I want to challenge you. Those of you who this is your style, then go this week in boldness and speak the truth. But do it in love. Don't leave a wake of bodies behind you. Speak the truth in love. If God brings someone in your circle... And because you're a direct person, they actually stay in your circle long enough for you to have the conversation with them. There's a reason they're still there. You need to have that conversation with them. Be direct. This is the direct style of approach. And some of you right now, you're like, nope, (laughs) that is not me. I am not about the difficult conversation. It's not going to happen. See, that's why I don't share my faith, John, because that's not me. That's okay. Hold on. We're not done yet. We got 13 more. I'm just kidding. So there's some more to go. Okay. The second style is this, the intellectual approach. The intellectual approach. Acts chapter 17, Paul's on Mars Paul is on Mars Hill speaking to a bunch of intellectuals, very smart people. These guys are philosophers, they're thinkers. And here's what he says, I'm going to just a couple of verses from what he what he says, in verse 22 of Acts 17, Paul stood in the middle of the uh, Areopagus <laughs> and said, "People of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed this, to the, t- to the unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, and he's not putting them down. He's just saying, what you worship, not understanding what you're worshiping, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in shrines made by hands. Now, Paul was very similar to Peter in a lot of respects. They could both be very direct when they needed to be. But Paul was very intellectual. Paul was able to reason with people, to to meet them where they were at intellectually and lead them to Jesus through that. He He was very well read. He was educated. He grew up in that environment. Now he was a Jew, but he grew up in a Roman province. And so he knew their beliefs. He knew how they thought. He knew the language. He could speak to them exactly where they were at. And what I love is that he was able to figure out where they were at and lead them to understand what they lacked and how Jesus was the answer to the holes that was in their life. He has this intellectual ability to do this and I know some of you guys are like this and those of you that are like this you know I'm not like this okay. You know a great deal about a great deal about a number of things you would be able to engage certain people where they're at right in the middle of what they believe and point them to Jesus. For those of you who've ever heard of Ravi Zacharias that's He's an intellectual. Some of you are, that's, that's you. Like you can reason with people. You can meet them and lead them to Jesus. And some of you are like, nope. <laughs> I would be absolutely terrified they think I'm an idiot. There's no way I can pull that off. There's more to go. The third style is this, the testimonial. The testimonial. John chapter 9 opens up with Jesus. It's the Sabbath. It's their holy day. And he heals this guy who's blind. He makes makes him where he can see again. And all the religious people go absolutely crazy because Jesus healed on the Sabbath and they equated healing somebody with work. And like you can't work on the Sabbath and they get mad. So they drag this guy in who just was able where he could see and they start questioning him about Jesus and they're, they're mad at him. They're interrogating this guy and they're not happy. So they send him home. They pull the poor guy's parents in. Like, hey, was your son really born blind because we think this is all made up and this isn't real and this Jesus guy, like, tell us about that. And they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. Like, we're just celebrating the fact that our son can see. They send them home and they bring the blind guy back, second round. And in verse 24 of John 9, they say, so a second time they summoned the man who had been blind and told him, give glory to God. I love that. A whole different message. They should be giving glory to God. Different sermon, different time. Anyway, it says, we know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner, Look what he answers. Verse 25, he answers, whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I can see. This is the one that all of us honestly should be able to do. Like this is the one that's just tell the story of your salvation. Where were you? What did Jesus do? Where are you now? And this is, this is something that some of you, though, are definitely gifted more in this area than others. This is your very unique sharing style. Some of you have an amazing story. God has just done some crazy, awesome things in your life. Share your story. But the problem is, for a lot of people who this is their sharing style, you don't do it because we make it more difficult than what it really is. Like, what if I tell this story wrong? <laughs> What if I leave out some important parts? What if I can't remember the scripture that I know goes with this part of my story? What, what if they misunderstand me? What if they argue with me? And, and we, we come up with all these excuses why we can't tell our own story. Can I, can I just lovingly speak some truth into you at this point? You're not the one doing the converting anyway. It's the work of the Holy Spirit through Jesus doing it through you. And so we gotta stop making ourselves more important than what we really are. And just put the line out there and tell your story. God's going to do the rest. It's not even about the words you say. It's about the thing that's been done for you through Jesus. And I love, again, what he said in verse 25. I love what the man said. He said, look, I I don't know what you're wanting me to answer. (laughs) I don't know where you're going with this, and my story hasn't changed. All I know is I was blind, but now I can see. So here's the deal. Your story is as simple as this. Look. All I know is I was dead. I was separated from God and my sin. I was without hope. I didn't have joy. I didn't have any answers. I was just existing in life. But now I'm alive with new life because of Jesus. And not only do I have a hope, but I have joy in my life. Just tell your story. We got to remember that Jesus didn't come to make bad men good. He came to make dead men alive. And when we realize that that's your story and my story, that makes it a lot easier. Just tell your story. The fourth style is this, the relational approach. The relational approach. In Luke chapter 5, it says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. We also call him Matthew. And he was sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So leaving everything behind, Matthew got up and began to follow him. And then he hosted a grand banquet for him, for Jesus, at his house. And now there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were guests with them. But the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And I love how they didn't even answer. Jesus just knew what they asked, and he steps in, and here's what Jesus said in verse 31. It's not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous but call sinners to repentance. And I I love this style. Probably because I'm biased, this is my style. (laughs) This is kind of who I, I, I see myself in this because Matthew was a tax collector. He wasn't a great orator. He wasn't a great speaker. He had perfected his little speech, knocking on the door, you owe $20. Next door, you owe $50. I mean, hard speech, right? But he's not a get in front of people and talk to people kind of guy. It's just not his gifting, but, and there's no way he could do that because most people hated him. (laughs) So he's not going to go door to door and tell, hey, do you know Jesus? Like they're going to slam the door in his face. But deep down, God created Matthew to be relational. And so instead of going door to door, Matthew's like, what if I invite a bunch of people to come in through my door? What if I, because I like hanging out with people and I don't have a whole lot of friends because most people hate me, what if I invited people to my house and I make sure that Jesus is there? And that's exactly what he did. He just threw a huge party of people he knows and people he doesn't know. And Jesus is right there in the middle and you have all these tax collectors and womenizers and sinners and all these people show up at Matthew's house and there's Jesus right in the middle. And of course religious people get mad. But you know what Matthew did? he used his personality and his style to get people into the funnel. He's like, I don't know much, but I'm going to cast the line out. I'm just going to throw it out there. And he invites all these people over. And we don't know how many people were there that day. It just says a multitude, a great crowd. But they all got to experience and be engaged with Jesus. Man, I've been talking a lot about how how we can reach like our community and just show the love of Christ to our community. We're like, Hey, what if we, what if we threw a huge block party in our neighborhood? If we got some inflatables and some stuff and just, and just invited people. I mean, there's houses going up all over the place. And I think they're slated to build like a couple hundred more houses just in our neighborhood alone. And God is bringing people from all walks of life and ethnicities within walking distance of our house. And what better way to introduce ourselves to them and, and show the love of Christ than to throw a big party. And by the way, I'm probably going to ask some of you guys to help me with that. So just put that in the back of your mind for later. But what would it look like if people in our church who realize, hey, this is my sharing style. Like I'm a relational person. I can do that. What if more people in our church said, you know, I'm just going to throw a party for my street. And not where we're going to get up, we're going to preach to everyone. Not that kind of, but I'm just going to engage them with Christ and with the love of Christ. What would it look like? And we all started helping each other with that how impactful would that be scattered all throughout our city? Just getting a line in the water. The next style is this, the invitational approach. The invitational approach. In John chapter 4, Jesus meets this woman at the well. Middle of the day, and he starts talking to her about how he has the the water of life and the people who drink from this water are never thirsty again and she's intrigued and she puts her faith in him and she walks away. Look in verse 28 of John chapter four. It says, then the woman left her water jar, went into town and told the people, come see a man. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And it says they left the town and made their way to him. So maybe you're here this morning like I'm not outgoing at all. Like inviting people to my house, not gonna happen. Talking to people, being direct or intellectual, it's not going to happen. Maybe you feel like Moses when God told Moses, I want you to go to Egypt and I want you to talk to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world. I want you to talk to him and tell him you want all the Israelites to be set free. And he's like, ah, no, no, right? It's not happening. Maybe, maybe that's you. That's okay. Look, guess what though? You're not off the hook. There's a sharing style just for you. It's this one and actually the next one. Because here's a lady who's the ultimate outcast. She has slept around in her town. People know who she is. In fact, she's so much of an outcast, she has to go to the well in the middle of the day by herself with nobody else. She has no friends. She has a horrible reputation. But she meets Jesus. She goes back into town. all she does is she invites people, go see him. Like you see that hill right there? There's a well there. He's standing right there. You go see him. I don't have the words. I'm not a theologian. I'm not going to, I can't preach to you, but I can just go check that guy out. That's all I can say. And she just invited them to go. for you guys in the group, here's what that looks like for you. I mean, I just can't. But I have a card. I'd love for you to come to our church. Come check it out. It's great people. I think you'd really enjoy it. It has all the information on there. Just hand it to them. Come and see. Invite them to something like the Easter egg hunt. Maybe you're in a grow group that meets on Thursday night. Hey, listen, a group of us meet together at my friend Mike's house. He's awesome. The people, I mean, we have food, lobster and shrimp. So that's great. And, and just come hang out with us. Maybe you can't dialogue with people, but you can invite. And we've got these all over. You just grab, grab a handful of them and just say, hey, you know, I'm an inviter. That's who I am. So I'm just going to invite. And see what God could do. People love being invited places. In fact, it hurts my feelings when I'm not. But that's just a different story. So anyway, um, but studies have shown that 80% of people who don't go to church said they would go to church if they were just invited. I think that says a lot about our invitational style. The last style is this: the sharing style. The sharing style. Excuse me. The, the service. The service style. Excuse me. This last sharing style is the service approach. In Acts chapter nine. We have this amazing passage. It says this, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated in the Greek as Dorcas. And she was always doing good works and acts of charity. And about the time she became sick and she died. And after they washed her body, they placed her in a room upstairs. And they basically, verse 38 says, they go and they get Peter. Peter got up and went with them. Verse 39, and when he arrived, they led him to the room upstairs. And get this, we read through this, we don't, we don't catch this. And all the widows approached him weeping and showing him the robes and the clothes that Dorcas had made while she was with them, And Peter sent them all out of the room and he knelt down and he prayed and turning towards the body, he said, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes. She saw Peter and sat up and he gave her his hand and helped her stand up. And he called the saints and the widows and presented her alive. And this became known throughout Joppa and many believed in the Lord. We have a lady who didn't have any other sharing styles. She wasn't outgoing, probably a widow. Wasn't really an engaging, I'm going to go talk to you directly, I'm an in-your-face kind of person. Wasn't a, hey, I, I, I really don't have anywhere to invite anybody to. Maybe unsure of herself, maybe a little shy, we don't know. But what we do know is that she used her own gifting and her own style to reach out to a very specific group of people. And the way she introduced them to Christ by making clothing for widows who couldn't afford to buy clothes. And it made such a huge impact that when she died, the widows met Peter and showed him, look, this is what this lady has done for us. And imagine when she's making these clothing and like, well, how does she engage them with Jesus that when she would make these clothing and she would go present it to somebody she didn't know, just some stranger in town. You know what happens when you do something nice for someone and it's unexpected? They usually say, "Why, why are you doing this? And it gave her a perfect opportunity to say, because I was blind and now I can see. Because I was dead and now I'm alive because of what Jesus did for me and I want to show his love to you. And how amazing, how impactful that was to them that she was able to just do things for them and it drew people to her that she was able to explain why she did it. That's why Jesus said we're to love our enemies, that we are to do good to them who curse us and bless those who wish bad things for us. You know why? Because when we do those things, they go, why are you doing this? Like, why would you be nice to me? I'm not nice to you. Why would you do that? And we can open up and go, you know what? Because it's my sharing style. Because of what Jesus has done for me. And we want to introduce people to the funnel of finding and following Jesus. We want to use our own unique styles and gifting. Don't be somebody you're not. Be the exact person that Jesus created you to be. So which one of those styles are you? Which one would you relate with the most? Can you see yourself in there and go, you know what? I'm not an in-your-face person, but I am definitely an invitational person. I'm not really an intellectual. I, I would lose every argument I ever got into if I tried to, but Man, I can, I can serve. Or maybe you're like, man, that's just, man, no, I, serving is not for me. But I can tell people the truth. That doesn't bother me. Which one are you? Be the one that God created you to be. Own it and use it and share it. Because we only have one life and we only have so long. We got to live it for Christ. The challenge this morning is this simple. If you wrap it all up as this, put a line in the water. Put a line in the water. I've never talked to anybody about Jesus. Put a line in the water. I've, I've never had someone be able to lead somebody to the Lord, or be able to talk to somebody about how they can have forgiveness and new life and eternal life. Put a line in the water. Today, here's the deal: none of us can leave with an excuse. It's not about preaching, and it's not about soapbox. It's not about beating people into submission with rhetoric or with excuses or arguments. It's about being the person God created you to be and reaching those people he brings in your circle. Because he brings them there for a reason. Cast the line. Let me have you bow your heads and close your eyes, church, for just a moment. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you want to know the truth of the matter? is that there's eternities at stake. It's not a game. It's not a, hey, we're going to go to church and be good people. Or, hey, you know, we're just going to, hey, we'll be that godly man or that godly woman. I'll be a good person. It's not about that. It's not about being good. It's not about being better. It's not about helping society. You know what it's about? It boils down to this. There are eternities in the balance that every one of us has a living soul, that this this physical body, that's just temporary. It's not all there is. We have a living soul and we're gonna spend eternity somewhere. We're either gonna spend eternity in heaven with with God and Jesus and, and, and be able to fellowship with him forever or we're gonna spend eternity in a place called hell that honestly was not even created for us. It wasn't meant for us, but what else is a holy and righteous God to do with those who don't put their faith and trust in him? And you and I, God brings people into our circles who need the answer that you have, who need the hope that you have. To understand that the wages of our sin is death and it does separate us from God, but that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, that he gave the answer. He gave his life to die our death, to take our punishment so that we don't have to. What more could God do? And so those people that God brings into our circle, what are we going to do with it? For some of us, it's time to cast a line. It's time to put a line in the water. It's time to go. You know what? We look through some different styles of different ways to share, and I. God just burdened my heart that I'm relational. God just burdened my heart that I'm invitational. God just burdened my heart that I just need to go and just speak those, have those hard conversations. God told me I just need to go and reason with some people that he's placed in my mind and my heart. God just told me I need to go and just serve some people, whatever that is. What are you gonna do with it? I don't want you just wasting your time coming listen to a 30, 40 minute message and then leaving. I just, it's pointless. Church, put a line in the water. Start engaging. It's time to move through the funnel. It's time to get off the lot where we just engage with Christ and we get saved and start going deeper in discipleship. And it's time that we don't just be happy, we're not just happy there, but we start actually finding our calling and expressing the love that God has put in our heart that we have found with others. What is it that God is calling you to do? Who is he calling you to talk to? How can I help you? In just a moment, I'm going to have you stand. I'm going to have you. If God God has worked in your heart this morning, I would love to talk with you. I'll be standing right here. Or maybe right there where you're at in just a moment, you can just pray and say, God, help me put a line in the water this week. Help me reach out. Help me be the one to help putting more people into that funnel to be engaged with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because honestly, that's the only reason you're here. It's the only reason I'm here. It's life short. You can come, you can kneel down with me. I'd love to pray with you. You can pray right there where you're standing, but don't leave here today without realizing who God created you to be and who God created you to reach. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for the love that you showed us and your son Jesus. God, we just we can never pay you back for that. God, I, my, my prayer and I know the prayer and the hope of this church is that all of us will be burdened with this idea that we are called to be fishers of men. It's time to step out. We gather, we grow, but it's time to go. It's time to recognize those people you've brought into our circle and start engaging. Forgive me, God, I'm not per. I, Forgive me for the times that I have let people pass right through and not engaged them. Forgive me the time that I just, I'm tired, I don't want to fish, and I I don't throw the line out when you're prompting me in my heart to speak to someone or to reach out. God, help all of us to be tender and open to your prompting in our life, to do what needs to be done, to reach this place but also around the world. God, give us all boldness this week to go out in your name and give you the praise and glory for all of it. Work in our hearts this morning, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me in worship this morning? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you have any questions about Morningstar Baptist Church or today's message, visit MorningstarDayton.org and choose Contact Us.